once that brings things back. But sometimes dead is better. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Hello, everyone. It's your old pal Bo here. Uh, once again, I am joined by the pale blue version of myself to seal a Billy Connolly line. Duncan McLeish. Hello. And uh, and we are back for a one-off episode where Duncan and I have been watching movies, as we do. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about recording, like, hey, we're going to do this little thing. And then we've seen enough movies now that it's probably going to be a little bit longer thing. So we're just going to release it as its own episode. And then very shortly thereafter, we will be recording the Midnight Run uh, mentary. Oh, that yes. Duncan and Bo go on a midnight run is how I'm thinking of that. And I like that. It works. Yeah. Like uh, Duncan and Bo are too young, are too old to die young. Yes. Yeah, I also like that. Yeah. We should probably, the, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. But people don't know what we're on about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> hey. All right. So but before we get started, the, uh, we didn't even talk about this. Uh, we're, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, have you seen the trailer for The Dead Don't Die? No. Okay. Yes, I have. Sorry. Fuck the Jarmish. Yeah, the Jim Jarmish zombie movie. Yeah, the one that has the the best cast of any zombie movie ever made. I'll I'll tell you when they show you uh Adam Adam Driver, Bill Murray and Tilda Swinton. Yeah. I'm like and Steve Buscemi. Yeah. When they show you Tilda Swinton wielding a samurai sword and having a Scottish accent, I'm like that this is the greatest thing that's ever happened since Ghost Dog. <laughs> so, sure. Oh fuck. All right. And and then Tom Waits shows up. I know. <laughs> I was like, like are you like, fucking kidding me? It's like, we have Duncan and Bowen, but do we have them in? Can we get to give them Tom Waits? Yeah. And, and I love that the trailer is like that old school in a, you know, in a quiet neighborhood. You know, <laughs> like all of it is just beautiful. <laughs> Bill Murray. Weirdly, we're weirdly narrated by fucking Tom Waits for some reason. Yeah, yeah and like <laughs> it's zombies and they're <laughs> coming up the street like ants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I heard a noise. I'm, what are they building in there? Man, what what's he building in there is one of those things that brings me infinite joy. It's one of the greatest things ever committed to fucking audio. It's it's so good, but yeah, like the dead don't die. It, it when I when I saw the trailer for it, uh, it was in, in front of Pet Cemetery actually. Oh right, so I saw it like a couple of weeks ago um, when it appeared on out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere, just dropped on Facebook. Yeah, I you know I never know nothing, Duncan. And so when I saw it in front of Pet Cemetery, I didn't know it was a Jarmish film. At oh, first, <laughs> no. So I see Bill Murray and, and Adam Driver. I'm like, this looks pretty fucking good. This seems really fun. And mm-hmm. then like, oh, holy shit, that's Steve Buscemi. And then like you said, it's Tilda Swinton with a sword. And when it's yeah. like a film by Jim Jarmusch, I was like, get the fuck out of here. It totally doesn't look like, it, it totally does not look like the sort of, I mean, Jarmusch has always been the sort of guy who will will surprise you with his next film. You know what I mean? Like you kind of think you know where you are with Jarmish, and then he throws you curveballs constantly. Yeah. Um. I mean, you would not from that trailer. You would not expect, you know, from the mind that brought you previously 
only what's it, only lovers left alive. Yeah, which is his previous movie, which is about as art house a fucking vampire movie as you will get. Um, and he does that, and then he follows up with a a zombie comedy. I was like. Because uh, I remember hearing about this a while ago, you know, Jarmusch's next movie is going to be a zombie movie. And I was like, that seems a bit strange. And uh-huh. then I'd heard some of the cast, like, and I hadn't, I didn't know Tilda Swindon was in it. So I'd heard Adam Driver, Bill Murray, and the RZA. <laughs> That's like, right. Yeah. I forgot that the RZA's in this shit. I was He's like, probably doing the soundtrack. Probably. And I'm totally down with that because the Ghost Dog soundtrack is fucking amazing. And the RZA is in Ghost Dog as well. Small cameo. Love it. Um, but I was like, yeah, mate. Eh? and then I think I came in from my work and it was already starting to trend and I was like what the fuck is and I'd forgotten I'd, I'd like had it as a vague thing and of course I'm sitting there I'd, very much like yourself and it come up to Jim Jarmusch and I was like no <laughs> yeah. get the fuck out of here it looks so much fun it looks hella fun and not what I would expect from him but I mean that cast list alone that, that goes to show how much like the name Jarmusch still commands you know, cast those guys are not signing up to do just a zombie movie. They're, right. they're signed up to do a Jarmusch movie. So, and I think that Adam Driver is the only person who hasn't been in that list who hasn't been yep. in a Jarmusch film previously. Yep. So, it, again, testament to the guy when he gets on the horn and is like, "Hey, man, I'm going to do a zombie movie. You want to come play?" Yeah. And and people show up. You know, uh, the fact that Tom Waits is kind oh, of no. his old faithful. <laughs> That's one of I the reasons why. I love Jar- Jarmusch is that he puts Tom Waits and shit. Yeah. You know, Down by Law is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, like, I wanted to start with that just because it was such a... And it's right around the corner. It's in June, I believe. Yeah, it's not, not far away at all. Like, everything, like, the off the back of the success of us and the cinema, like, the timeline for this year has got incredibly interesting things. Like, they've just announced that um, Midsommar, the new Ari Aster movie, has been brought forward a month. So oh. it's not going to be in August anymore. That's going to be July. And the reason they brought it forward, because August looked ridiculous. August, is, it would have been shared in the same month as, uh, was it Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's going to be great. Also, so that's also August. So we're going to have these two massive movies. Like, no, 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 bring it forward a month. Uh, so you're going to have the new Ari Aster movie. The scary stories to tell in the dark will be the month after. And then the month after that's it, chapter two. It's like fucking holy fucking shit. Yeah. The, the <laughs> and then well, there you go, June. There you go. June's Jarmusch. Yeah. July is Ari Aster. Um, August will be Guillermo del Toro's yep. scary stories to tell in the dark. And then fucking September's it. Yeah, yeah. There's something every month. uh, October is Zombieland too, and and then that's not accounting for all those little surprise movies that are going to pop up. One that we'll talk about tonight, Mm -hmm. um, of of those little gems that you're just like, holy shit, where'd this come from? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, this is there's an outstanding lineup ahead of us. I'm so excited, and and honestly, uh, this uh, the dead don't die. Now rocketed to the top. I'm more excited about that than I am anything else this year. I'm interested to see how it'll go. That's because I'm not really. I don't think I've ever seen a Jarmusch comedy. Uh, you know, uh, he like Broken Flowers. I met, might fall into that category. Yeah, well, no, it's, 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 but it's kind of that kind of kind of melancholia sort yeah. of. 
humor if you know what i mean it is there it is there for sure and i mean like that movie but treated yeah. heavily off the fact that you know um fucking lost in translation had been out what two years before or something right. and bill murray was in this weird phase of his life where he was doing kind of comedy kind of indie movies um so like yeah Hyde I, park I on the hudson and shit like that but... exactly but I, I like i don't think i've ever seen something that looks out and out just I'm a like a broad comedy yeah i don't think yeah. he's ever done it which is what and i'm so excited to see yeah it just is not the he's not the director i would generally pick for a project yeah. like this which makes me really excited because i want to see what has spin on a genre let's be honest has that has been it throws very few surprises out with the movie one of the movies we're talking about with tonight is generally as generic a kind of a, a, a road of movies that you get so you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it, it it's incredibly exciting because it could be a spectacular failure as well. And if it is, well, yeah. that's just as interesting to me. Yeah, I totally. <laughs> you've got to remember things like um, Only Lovers Left Alive was critically very well received. It didn't make a lot of money. Right. Well, because it, it is, like you said, it is the most art house of vampire movie you're going to see this side of The Hunger, except like you pump the brakes on The Hunger's pace a couple of times mm-hmm. and just have long lingering shots of Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston being beautiful. And yeah. and <laughs> but you know but that was cool for that film. That's what mm-hmm. made it interesting. And, and again, it's Jarmish doing almost a Euro horror film, whereas yeah. this looks like him seeing Zombieland and being like, "I think I could do that." Yeah, <laughs> which is so weird because Zombieland Two is coming out this year. Yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah, again way more interested in Dead Don't Die. Yeah, it's just it's a weird one where it's taken so long to get that movie sequel off the ground that Jarmusch is just like, yeah, I'll just do it in the same year. <laughs> Whatever. I'm Jim Jarmusch. What the fuck do I care? Nobody's gonna, like yeah. The fact that this movie is as high profile, like the, that the trailer for a Jarmusch film was in yeah. front of Pet Cemetery is it's nuts. mind-blowing. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, right. Again, like, you know, fuck you, Ruben Fisher. This is like, this is Jim Jarmusch, the guy who directed Ghost Dog is going oh, to get a dog. major film released. Ghost Dog, Bo, one day, one day. It, it'll happen at some point. One but... day we will eventually change this podcast from Duncan and Bo, concrete to just Ghost Dog podcast. Yes. And we'll talk about it every single week. We could do one of those, like, every episode is a minute oh, of Ghost you... Dog. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the minute that is just that old gangster doing Flavor Flav. Oh, man. For oh. the back of reality. <laughs> God damn, that movie's good. Uh, all right, all right. But l- let's talk about uh, a, a different movie now. Let- let's get into the reviews proper. Uh, fair warning, we're going to spoil the shit out of everything we're going to talk about tonight. So so like, you might want to give them advance warning what we're talking about today then. All right, we are going to start uh, with Pet Cemetery, 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to pivot over to Us, the... Uh, the new movie by Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to end with one cut of the dead. And I cannot think of the director's name off the top of my head. But by the time we get there, I assure you. We will uh, give something you that Ashido, maybe something. Uh, maybe. Uh, let's just not be racist, Duncan. No, um, I'm sure that because I like his birthday, <laughs> his birthday happened last week. And uh, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Um, fuck. 
yeah let's not be racist but <laughs> uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll get into it but first let's talk about uh speaking of directors um this is kevin kolsch and dennis widmeyer who did starry eyes which mm-hmm. you and i both agree is fantastic it's a great movie yeah really tremendous film and this is their spin on Pet Cemetery, the, of course, Stephen King novel. And in many ways, it's kind of weirdly a remake of the 89 movie in a lot of ways. Yes, it owes more to that than it does necessarily the source material. Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably true. Um, so, uh, I'll tell you what, let's do, just for the sake of consistency... Uh, <laughs> Let's let's recap this from the good people at IMDb. Oh, nice. All right. Uh, they say Dr. Lewis Creed and his r- wife, Rachel, relocate from Boston to rural, ma- rural Maine. <laughs> rural, rural Maine. Rural, rural Maine. With their two young children. <laughs> I, uh, they, the couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home. Uh, this uh, stars uh, Jason Clark as Lewis Creed, Amy Simons as Rachel Creed, uh, who you will probably know from The Signal and what else? She's been a bunch of sh- uh, um, tons of stuff. A horrible way to die. I think she was mm-hmm. in that. Uh, John Lithgow acting as Judd Crandall. <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding. I just like hearing uh, him do that. Uh, and Jete Lawrence as Ellie. Uh, and then uh, a couple of twins as Gage. Uh, what, what don't matter. Gage is in this about as much as I am. Um, <laughs> and then Absa Ahmed as Victor uh, Pascal. Mm-hmm. And anybody else you want? Uh, that's pretty. That's it. Probably the, the extent of the return. Who, who plays? Um, who plays Zelda? Alyssa Brooke Levine uh, is the actress's name who plays uh, Zelda. Cool. All right, so yeah, it feels like she's in it a lot, so it's not mentioned on him. Right, she is very prominent in this version of the film, and uh, mm-hmm. so I'll tell you, um, they, <laughs> let, let's yeah, let's talk about real quick. Uh, again, the, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Let's talk about the the narrative shift of this film, which okay, which I kind of. I'm real pissed at whoever put the trailers for this thing together. Like that should have been a surprise because the movie feels like it expected it to be what, like the way that they kind of juke with gauge in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it was supposed to be a bit of a surprise and it wasn't, I wish it had. uh, Yeah. I don't know. I like, I, I hear what you're saying, but I also think this is aimed like this movie as a whole. I think my issues and your issues in general, come from i think they're apt oh, let me put that first i don't think anything we're going to say on this is and generally i'm i'm quite open to interpretation and stuff like that i think and I've, i have read your review but i'm interested to get a bit more into it i don't know off the back of this if i actually enjoyed this movie more than you enjoyed it or or vice versa but what i will say is that this movie very much felt like it was aimed uh, your generic um, sort of cinema gore as opposed to your out-and-out horror fans or people that are familiar with the source material. In the UK, the movie's been advertised on billboards as not even, you know, you know, penned by Stephen King or anything like that. It literally says on the poster from the author of It. 
So that's how this has been yeah. pivoting. It is, it, is, it is trying to get the goodwill and the, the footfall of people that went to see it without knowing who Stephen King was or having ever read anything by Stephen King. So I think that reveal in the trailer, whilst it pissed off, like... I pissed off a lot of people. It didn't piss off me at all. I don't mind. You can switch and change and do whatever the fuck you want. I think it makes more sense in this in this adaptation having the Ellie character being the one because she's older. You can do more with her, and I, I quite like that. I think the Gage one. That was one of my biggest issues always with the the original. And I, I'll put this out front as well. I'm not a big fan of the original. I think the original Pet Cemetery is okay. Um, I think of the eighties. King adaptations is probably one of the worst. Um, yeah, I would you know agree I mean? with all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you, but you're you're then putting up against the likes of the Dead Zone, Christine, the Shining. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even Firestarter, I think, is a better adaptation and movie. Yeah, Firestarter. Even Maximum Overdrive has at least a lot of fun you can hang your hat on. You know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah. I, I have a much better time watching Maximum Overdrive than yeah. I do Pet Cemetery, and yeah, I've done Pet both Cemetery- recently. Yeah, Pet Cemetery just has has a, a lot of, a lot of issues, and it hasn't aged well. It yeah. really hasn't aged well as a movie. In, um, in fairness, Fred Gwynn, fucking amazing in that movie. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he he's he's probably the highlight of that movie. Yes, right? yes. And I, I'm I'm happy to say that because he's the bit that every he's the guy that everyone quotes when they talk about the movie. But the, the like you can change and play around with all that shit, and that doesn't bother me. I kind of see where you're coming from. The fact that you show that twist reveal of, by the way, it's not Gage that's going to die in this one; it's going to be Ellie, and yeah. we're going to show you that in the trailer. Is you know, it's maybe not the smartest marketing, but it got everyone talking about it online. So maybe it is the smartest marketing. Maybe so. I yeah. I I found it like it didn't anger me. That that's overstating it. I think. I I think it's more like I felt a little disappointed that that could have been a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. And and again, the beat of the film when that moment happens when um, Ellie gets smacked by the truck, it, it was like oh, the whole gimmick is that you get the you know Lewis chasing Gage and and yeah. this time catching him. And then it's yep. like, oh shit, no, it's Ellie. And, yeah. you know, maybe that's just a natural narrative point, but it felt like it felt like it was anticipating your expectation and mm-hmm. then subverting it. And then, you know, sitting down in the theater, I already knew that was happening. But again, not the, the most grievous sin of this film by any stretch. Um, I would say, and, you know, I, I said this in, in the review you can find on legionpodcasts.com. Um, my biggest problem with the movie is that it never felt like it was a, an entire thing. It just, it, it felt a little, uh, pinball-y in a way that it right. was just kind of banging from scene to scene. And, and yeah, there was like the through line of, well, there's Ellie and her curiosity, uh, curiosity about death. And that kind of pays off in, in the fact that she's the one who's brought back. And there's much more of a conversation with her, like you said, because she's older. There's more of a conversation about, like, you know, w- what am I now that I'm back? I remember dying, and yeah, you know, where did I go? And but then that feels a bit upended when it just becomes a, a monster movie. Yeah, well, the, 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 right. There's like a couple of to, to me. There's like it's interesting you're talking about the pinball thing. I found the pacing of this movie very, very weird in that it 
seem to rush through things that I consider quite important in the telling of the story of Pet Cemetery, yet linger on things which I find strange. Like the pacing slows yeah. down in aspects where I, I, to me, I'm like that. Let's get things like we are introduced very, very quickly in the movie to the kids out the back wearing the kind of wicker man style masks and all the rest. Um, that to me feels like a big deal. You know what I mean? That to me feels like, and it is in the novel, you know, this idea of the kids maintaining the the path they do every year on the way up to the Pet cemetery, and they have done since forever. Um, and it's, it's kind of like it's there and no one seems to react to it in the way that ordinary people would react and it's very 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 strange it's very off-putting and um, and other than the mask uh that's used later in the film it's never really addressed again really and and nope. that's a real bummer because like you said there there are things about this story that i feel like are kind of key and yep. and in addition to this thing about like well this, this was sort of a holy place for the children in a lot of ways mm-hmm the relationship between Lewis and Judd is just it's, non-existent. In it's this film. terrible in this movie. And it's one of the cornerstones of it. In fact, it's one of the joys of reading the whole reason that Judd like even remotely suggests the pet cemetery is because Judd views Lewis as the son that he desperately needs. And Lewis looks at Judd as the father figure he wishes he had. Yeah. And you do not get that at all. These share very little dialogue or very little screen time together before the pet cemeteries brought into play in the movie. And they don't like all the things like, you know, them kind of sharing a beer and stuff like that. The first time they share a drink together is when he drugs them. Right. Like, all of that, there is no reason, as you said, uh, I've read your review as well. Um, mm. You know, when you were saying, like, there's no reason for Judd to show him, the, anything. The, like, anything beyond the pet cemetery. And the only reason given in the movie is given way later when it's like, oh, okay, I guess. Because there's a, the the kind of almost substitute, they clumsily substitute out the Lewis a Judd relationship for an Ellie Judd relationship. So Ellie's very close to Judd. It's not handled particularly well, but she's closer. He comes across, watch her dance. But you know that she goes into his house. Um once again, another adaptation where just Judd's wife doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> well she does. There I mean she's just dead by the time you get yeah. to him. Yeah, um, they're like, fuck that character. Um, right, which is another odd thing. It's the first time it's kind of introduced in the film that like Ellie is sort of a demon from hell who can channel the, yes. the and dude, one of the most head scratching and frustrating things in watching this movie to me, just because I enjoy these stories so much. I like it when the movie tells a ghost story, you know, like even in yeah. the original film, there's that great moment where Fred Gwynn is talking about like when they brought back Timmy Bateman and mm-hmm. in this, it's like a, a bit in a, an article that Lewis sees or like yes. when he's going through uh, doing a Google search of his house or whatever, mm-hmm. or a pet cemeteries or some shit. And, <laughs> and just Googling the movie and, <laughs> and, but you see like yeah. hand ready, the bull and all that stuff that like in the, in, in the book and even in the first film, 
like it's Fred Gwynn telling this ghost story about Hanready the Bull. Like he came back bad, Lewis. We had to go down there with the rifles and put them down. And you know, mm-hmm. well, did anyone ever bury a person in there? Oh, Christ on his throne, no, Lewis. You know, yeah, like yeah. that stuff makes it spooky. And that is all missing from this movie. It's just like, you guys know what the pet cemetery is, right? Well, wait till you see what's beyond this spooky stairs. And that's uh, anyway, (laughs) I feel like I'm I'm piling on a little bit, but there, there were so many times I wanted this movie to just slow the fuck down and be scary. Yeah. It's weird because it is an hour and 45 minutes long. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying, like, you can tell that story in an hour and 45 minutes and still build up a relationship between between Judd and Lewis, or even Ellie and Lewis, if that, Ellie and, sorry, Judd, if that's the angle you're going in, you can give us some of the, like, proper mythology, give us some back setting here um, with a bit more depth. You can give us all that in that time frame. What the filmmakers, weirdly, and once again, head-scratchingly, is what they've done is all that. You know that bit that terrified everyone when they were kids? Zelda. So she's going to be in this movie every 15 minutes. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. Like, I I get it. And actually, one of the best things about this movie is I think Amy Simons is great She's fucking it. great. Like, her reactions, she genuinely looks terrified mm-hmm. in this. She She's, like, maybe the only one that actually operates like a human being in this movie. Um, because, like, I don't care what anyone says about fucking uh, Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance. I know there's a lot of detractors out there that, you know, think that, you know, Stanley Kubrick ruined it and Jack Torrance, uh, Jack Nicholson's performance. He always seemed crazy and all the rest, all, all the rest. I like the actor that plays Lewis Creed. I think he's a, he's a great, I was a big fan of Brotherhood, um, which was a kind of three season TV show about these kind of Boston brothers. He was, he was the kind of politician. His brother was the kind of uh, almost kind of whitey bulger sort of character. And um, their kind of rise to power. Mm-hmm. And in uh, Rhode Island, sorry, it was in Rhode Island. Um, and he was great in that. And I've seen him in a couple of things where he's great. He is like the coldest character he's colder than the dead bodies in this fucking movie he's like from the moment you meet him he is just so detached and as a result of that i i understand he's like even in the book to an extent he's cold in certain ways that he handles conversations he's still a warm character though and in in this they make him so detached and so like not non-plus, but he just doesn't seem to react the way that people would react yeah. to anything. And as a result of that, even even little Gage, <laughs> even little Gage acts circles around him. Even Church the fucking cat acts circles around him. He's just not very good in this movie. And he is our character that we're supposed to... Like, why did he bring back his daughter? You know what I mean? Right. I, 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 he doesn't really show any great affection for her beforehand. It's so fucking, it's so frustrating. And like when I come out of the movie, I was, we were sitting in the car, right? Me, uh, the Baz and my buddy Dave, sitting in the car, driving driving back. And I was talking about how I was never a big fan of the original Pets. I was when I was a kid, but not really a big fan of Pet Cemetery, like the, the 89 version or whatever. Uh, you know, nowadays, and I was like that. There's a lot I liked about the the new one. Um, like specific scenes, certain like certain effects, 
and even sure. though all the, the church stuff i think i think this gets all that great. just right Perfect. yeah and i i will say even though they made him not the most likable character in a lot of respects made him like far more a dangerous character like they squander john lithgow but john lithgow still great you know what i mean but yeah. they squander him as a character there's there's so much he could have done and they could have made him a slightly more malicious kind of thingamajig from harry and the hendersons just a slightly darker version of that and i would have been fine with that interpretation but he's a bit he's a bit strange and um like we were talking about this coming back and i i, I come in the house and i wrote my review the first time through um, in fact, I didn't change much at all, but I did change the grade. Originally, my grade sat about a four. I was like, that. I, I kind of really liked a lot in that movie. And then about two days later, I was thinking, because I saw it like before it came out. It got an advanced release in the UK the Monday before the Friday of its general, general release. So I'd seen it a couple of days before everyone else. And um, I was like, that's a four. By the Wednesday, it dropped to a three and a half. Um, and I think, I'd, like, part of me has been swithering about, like, maybe even a three. Um, but I'm going to stick with a three and a half. I'm actually going to go back and see it again with my wife. But I have, like, there are... I don't know where a lot of the reviews were coming from pre this movie coming out. From some of the bigger publications, and it's not to take a swipe at them, because they know the story and they know the the original movie and they know what's happened in the the remake and as a result of that i don't understand how you can forgive this the things in this movie that it gets wrong i don't know how you can overlook them in favor of what you know what i mean I, there's there's some huge issues yeah in the movie i think though it, once again, pivoting this away from the me and you going to see this at the cinema, and regardless of what I'm saying, it still wants horror fans to go and see this fucking movie. Um, but if I am a person that's never lifted Pet Cemetery the book, I've never watched the original, and I, you know, don't generally go and see horror movies, I imagine I come at that movie quite liking it. Uh, you know what I mean? Maybe so. It's really because I thought about that, and I just I I like the source material too much to divorce myself from it. It's entirely. very difficult. It's very difficult. It's one of my favorite King. Yeah. And, and, and having you and I both, well, you were the one who recommended it to me, the uh, Michael C. Hall audiobook. Oh, so good. Which is, it's the best Judd Crandall that has ever been. Yeah. And it, 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 it reminded me how good the book was and how grim that book is. And it's very grim. <laughs> and, and, and that was another thing that I found interesting is like when you heard that initial slew of reviews that happened out of what South by Southwest, I think is where it screened. Yep. And it yep. was a lot of, you know, like bloody disgustings and dread centrals and shit like that all had people there and they were completely on board with it mm -hmm. and and the other thing that came out of that the the other sub story of other than no it's one of the best stephen king adaptations ever not true then the no, other thing no, that was not God, true God, no. was they were like you know what somehow this is darker than the book and it's like you are out of your fucking mind. Yeah, I, like, you've <laughs> not read that book. You've right. not you've not read that book, or you're desensitized to novels because the book is. But there is a reason that Stephen King heralds that as his most terrifying work because it is like even like speaking even as like and I hate using this term, but speaking as a parent, 
like revisiting that book when the audiobook came out. Wait, wait, wait. You hate using the term parent? No, I I hate using the term speaking as a parent. Oh, okay, fair enough. Because I think it is like some 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 sort of false equivalence equivalency that it gives me a greater uh, oh, understanding some... of things or appreciation of things. I hate. But, it. but the, in that, see people that say speaking like a, speaking as a mother needs slapped right. um, because that does not give you IQ points. Sure, uh, but and... but specifically this book is about parenthood. I mean, this yes. is a yeah, very much about that. Yes, I, what what gave me it gave me a new appreciation. I, like that, I'm saying, I don't like using that phrase as if it like makes me smarter than anyone else. But what it does give you is an insight into like how fragile life is, particularly if you're a parent. And you know, it does make you like you start checking. <laughs> you maybe check a bit more diligently before you cross the road with your child and, and stuff when you read it. But to me, the isn't uh, isn't is not one of the best Stephen King adaptations. I can maybe I could maybe recount ten better ones, um, with, with ease. Um, but and that, that that's by the by, like it doesn't have to be the best version. It just it doesn't even have to be the best adaptation. It just I'm like I'm judging it as a movie, yeah, and as a movie, it has some very blatantly obvious pacing problems it rushes through things it lingers in places that don't quite make sense it's got um, character motivation issues they're, they're... which yeah, don't make sense at all yeah like, um, uh... it sets up mythology that it doesn't go anywhere or doesn't really explain i will say this though and i know that this is something that we will disagree on slightly i like the end i by that point i was checked out i was a little checked out and so when zombie family showed up i thought it was kind of funny yeah but I, I, once again I, <laughs> it was fu- it was fun I, like if i had been into the movie more that would have been a, a a better hit but like one the fight in the cemetery i started giggling mm. when when he's fighting ellie and she gets all slappy real fast i kind of giggled yep. at that and and so that set me off, and and I was checked out. Like at at the point I started laughing at the movie, there was no way I was getting back in. Yeah, yeah. and and that is totally me. I I understand there there are going to be people that that scene did not feel like a sped up WrestleMania. That's understandable. <laughs> That's what it looked like to me, and it made me laugh a little. Uh, and once that happened, and then when Zombie Family showed up, it was like, well, of course. Like, I, at that point, I just like, I want to see how goofy uh, Jason Clark's makeup was. Mm. And and it wasn't terrible. It wasn't as goofy as I'd hoped. But uh, anyway, I, you know, I don't mind the ending. I don't want to, like, it didn't make me angry that they changed the ending of the film or anything. It just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. L- look. Let's leave this behind. This this was the controversial one. Yeah, well, I don't know if it is because, I, like, I'm like from our friends online. Um, I I think a lot of people are with us. As like I I'd, like the thing is, I'm not in a position where I'm not going to sit here and say I prefer the original either because, like I say, I don't. I'm, all I'm going to say is I prefer the book. Well, of course, but if you were talking about movies, I, I said this in the review, I prefer the original movie uh, to this, uh, mostly because of Fred Gwynn and how like yeah. he he's a pretty good Judd Crandall, and that's such an important part of the, the book for me. But yeah, I mean, the audiobook is the way to go. That's, yeah, the that's fucking amazing. Fucking phenomenal. But yeah, it's, it, to me, it's a misstep. It's still done 
serious business as you know it, sure. it did it did very well and yeah I, I mean i'm happy for that I, like i want to see more king adaptations i want to see more of the the kind of older stuff get kind of work done on them i think there's plenty of king properties that have made their way into uh, the cinematic landscape that could be revisited with a modern twist on them and I, i'm not i'm not against that and certainly this movie pulling in the money that it has um won't dampen that i just i think i went in with such high expectations for this, this was one i was genuinely excited for um because like i said before like you said at the beginning i'm a huge fan of starry eyes i think starry eyes is a really fucking well-crafted really well made movie for the budget that I had and these guys have been obviously given the keys to a much larger uh, property to put their own spin on it and some of it they got really well I like all those elder stuff's great and mm. um, there's just a lot of it in the movie and I like the the, uh, the the actual sound design is in the movie is great as well and even on top of that I just think the Christopher Young score is phenomenal as well so, you know, I, I, I like all those aspects. What I didn't like was the story. I, I thought the story was very muddled, very jumbled. And with the time they had and the screen time they had and with the cast they had, um, they could have constructed something better. It will, I mean, I will, be surprised, I will be disappointed if this makes my top 20 this year. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. If 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 this is on that list, I'll feel like it was a, a disappointing year, and I I I don't think it will be. I think. And if you if you'd asked that. me at the start of the year, I would have said I would be expecting this to be in my top twenty. Um. So yeah, it just it just didn't deliver what I wanted. But like I say, it's it's done it's done great money. Um. It will inspire more filmmakers, and hopefully the next kind of 80s resurrection king property that we get on the big screen is is better we just mm-hmm. hope for that yeah uh it chapter two should be uh, I'm, I'm the fact that bill Hader is in it bodes well for me yeah I, th- I think there's i think there's a lot to be excited for that one because i th- from from what i'm hearing in advance and all the rest that he has a very strong view of what he's wanting to do with that movie and plus this script was written at the same time as the first part so yeah. the adaptation the kari fukunaka adaptation which is ultimately what we saw um script wise was written at the time so i'm going to say that uh, you know i liked a lot of what i saw in that first movie so if they managed to just carry that over I'm going to be happy with that. They don't have to reinvent the wheel and they don't have to make the greatest movie ever. We've all, we all agree on this. The second half of the original, it, the TV movie is not great. Right. So all they have to be is better than that. And I'm happy. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I just want it to be as good as the first, uh, it, not the yeah. miniseries, but the, you know, their chapter one of this, which I thought, you know, I got my problem, my problems here and there, but perfectly fine. Like popcorn horror film. I, oh, I really totally, enjoyed it. Totally. Uh, all right. Speaking of popcorn horror, let's talk about mm. the movie that made all of the money this year, <laughs> uh, which is Jordan Peele's Us. Um, yep. Let's keep it consistent. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, that's right. God Almighty, we're almost. It's almost as if we're a podcast here. Uh, Us is synopsized thusly: A family serene beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. Uh, of course, this is written and directed by uh, Jordan Peele. 
Uh, it is. Uh, it stars Lupita Nyong'o as uh, Adelaide. And does Red. it fucking ever? By the way, oh, oh boy, D- don't sleep on her performance alone. It is fucking incredible. Mm. Uh, Winston Duke as uh, the husband Gabe. Elizabeth Moss as Kitty Tyler. Tim Heidecker as Josh Tyler. Uh, Shahadi Wright Joseph, another person not to sleep on. Uh, mm-hmm. as Zora, the daughter, and uh, Jason Wilson uh, is played by Evan Alex. And that's eh, eh, kind of ish. Anybody else that you feel like we need to hit? No, I think yeah. we've covered it. All right. Uh, so this is the follow-up to Get Out. So lots of pressure, right? Like the the expectations are high for Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out that Jordan Peele is a fantastic fucking director and not just a flash in the pan. Oh um, yeah, I think I think we can both agree on that. I think we I think we both kind of we chatted about this briefly in our messenger. I think we both agree this is not as good as Get Out, but Get Out is pr- pretty much as close to a modern masterpiece as you're gonna get. And this movie doesn't slouch. And fucking, we talk about the the fucking balls on this guy to do this is your second movie mm-hmm. to not play it safe. Like at all, because like that's what a lot of directors have that runaway first hit, and the the instant like gut sort of reflex is to do a movie which is either very 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 similar because it's got you the praise before, so you go back and do it again, um, or you try and make something very conventional. And the reason you try and do that is you try and build on the momentum of that. And Jordan Peele don't give a fuck. Like he literally does that. He's like that. You know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna do something weirder than get out. Um, and yeah, you're just gonna have to deal with it. Right. And yeah, I, I like I cannot give that man enough props for for being as weird as he was with this movie. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, the the it's got a, a really nice. Uh, pace to it speaking of the pacing problems of pet cemetery like this is a this is how you do pacing you know it it kind of gets to its business quick um when it starts to feel like oh is this just going to be uh them you know these doppelgangers trying to get into the house and terrorize them it opens up in a a really interesting way and kind of keeps getting bigger as the movie goes which is Mm -hmm. really fun um, my biggest problem with the movie, honestly, is by the time you get to the explanation of here's what's going on, it reminds me of uh, those episodes of Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. Where you you get to the conclusion, like, you know, the guy behind the diner tips his cat back and he's got the third eye and shit like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know what? I see what you did here, Rod Serling. It don't make no sense, but I get it. (laughs) And that's how I felt with us, where the metaphor for the film, which is, you know, like this really interesting story about uh, that. It's sort of the John Edwards to America speech, the movie, Mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, here's this subculture that is shit upon and blah, blah, blah. And and it's really interesting in that way. Uh, But... There comes a point where it's like, oh, and by the way, all these people been living underground on their own for a while and they still kind of puppet. And it's you're just like, look, you got to slow down for a second. It was really (laughs) 
it was really better that you didn't tell me any of this. Uh, because the fact that it was just like, hey, there's this mysterious underground, like, don't get into the details of the experiment, because mm-hmm. the more you explain to me, the more this sounds like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm having too good a time. So just can it, will ya? <laughs> and so that that was my biggest problem with the movie was that it was just a little too chatty about what was happening it was like none of these details matter like the point of the movie is still made and leaving this more mysterious would have been preferable to starting to pick at the threads of how much you explained mm-hmm. and so that part of it felt a little corny to me like in in the way that get out is kind of this 50 sci-fi movie Mm-hmm. that's you know given this modern context this is kind of like that too where it's like yeah the premise is goofy but what made get out's goofy premise work so much was how invested you are in in you know the plight of the main character and also it creates this little insular world so well and that as this movie got bigger the messier the story got mm-hmm. to to a point that like I said, it didn't totally work for me, but the individual scenes and like, you know, even at the end of the movie, like after you get this cornball reveal, there's that scene where, you know, the kid is backing up and forcing the double into the fire and shit yeah. like that, where you're like, fuck, like, I know I got my problems with this movie, but Jordan Peele fucking directs a movie like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. He is so good. Like, even when this, the material that he's directing isn't totally sinking with me, you can't deny that he makes an entertaining as fuck movie. So- oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's one thing I'll say. Once again, this is another movie that has, a, you know, as a runtime comparable, I think, to, to Pet Cemetery. I think it's about the same, isn't it? It's just shy of two hours, I think. Uh, I will confirm that momentarily. Yeah, so I and like th- this is one of the things I'm talking about in terms of like pacing issues. Once again, like in the back to pay cemetery, look at everything that movie does in that time period, and then look at everything that Jordan Peele does in us. Yeah, this is actually a little bit longer, even. And I would, I would tell, I would have told you that Pet Cemetery was longer. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's I, I, I thought personally, I, I don't have as many issues as I. I have read other people have with this one. I'm happy. You can go as crazy and nuts and bonkers and explain as little as you want in a movie. You know, I, I'm I'm fine with that. I, I, I don't mind, especially when it comes to someone like Jordan Peele. You can see why he landed the gig producing The Twilight Zone. Now, I will stress on here, there are a lot of people just now like blaming Jordan Peele for some of the less than finer moments in the new season of The Twilight Zone. I have not watched it yet, so I can't make comment on it. Jordan Peele is the producer. He's not the director on any of those episodes, to the best of my knowledge. I don't think he's directed I, I Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's more just like Jordan Peele presents, you know? Yes, so that, right. So when people are moaning about, oh, Jordan Peele, the cracks are starting to show and all the rest, he hadn't directed any of that shit, right? So... Like, we're already starting to see that he's starting to get successful, so we're going to shit in him. Internet culture 
uh, because we've not got enough of that at the moment. So that's already started working its way out. And like, I don't, I don't like. You can go as weird and strange and all. That. I love the Twilight Zone, so you can go as Twilight Zone, even the bad aspects. You can go as goofy and weird as he wants. Um, the 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 only kind of issues that I had like overall with the movie, um, kind of centered on. Not even the, the like the the kind of the the last maybe fifteen minutes I felt was and I don't think for one second that reveal which we're spoil we're spoiling the movie anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the reveal of there was a switch with oh, the kids, right? The like, most obvious think, surprise ever. Yeah, I don't think that like people were acting as if that's what the twist is in the movie, and I was like, I don't think that's. Like as soon as as soon as she came back not speaking, I was like, "That right? She's not right. She's not the right one." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I don't think I think more what the the the, the fact the, that you didn't show me that it wasn't that it didn't happen that the switch didn't happen yeah. was the moment that was like, "Oh well, so a switch happened." Yeah, and like when people were saying, like I read some reviews where people were like that, it would have been better had he not shown it at all. Like at the very end, so you're left with this. Oh, absolutely, he should have yeah. left that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, as as, as she isn't yet, and I want that. That's but I, once again, I don't. It didn't ruin the movie for me. I, nah. Like some people were saying that that just like tipped the movie over, and I want that. You're literally telling me that you know you've got the best three course meal ever, and when you went to take the free mint at the end, that put you off your meal. That's bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, that's basically what that last reveal is, is just like, oh, look. I, I, to me, that doesn't diminish anything that I've seen before. Um, because everything I saw before was fucking great. Right. Um, I, I, some of the scenes, some of the, the, the way he directs is like, incredible. Like, the scene where um, the like uh, the, the 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 white family, the Taylors, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler, the Taylors, yeah, the, where they just get like <laughs> massacred. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, and it just comes out of nowhere, and then the bit of humor that you get in there with the fuck the police song, uh-huh. which comes on, all that stuff. Like it had me laughing, and like some people said they didn't like the humor, and I'm like that. It's what Jordan Peele does. That's his background. Oh yeah, that's what makes his movie so great is that yeah. he knows he knows not just pacing and timing because of comedy, but like that scene with Gabe kind of relaxing on the bed of just offering himself up is yeah. incredibly funny. Oh, totally, and I like I, I I like those aspects in a movie. I don't think yeah. a movie needs to be one tone from start to finish. If you're confident, you can inject a bit of levity in your movie. Fucking do it. Yeah, and it um, makes the characters more likable when they're them, yeah friendly and laughing and stuff like that. So when it gets scary, you're like, oh shit, I like that guy. I don't want anything ha- to happen to Gabe. Gabe's, like, as soon as- Gabe's funny. As soon as um, the Elizabeth Moss character, as soon as we meet her, as soon as she says, you know, like, you know, I could have been an actress and all the rest, I know her entire history as a character. Just that line, you know, like you're the you're the person that wishes that they didn't have kids and wish they had, the, you know, you're you're living in this state of could have been, should have been, would have been, had it not been. Um, you know, like right. those lines are really, really well written, and the, the the she's great in this movie as well. Elizabeth Moss, fucking brilliant. Um, yeah. Tim Heidecker is real good in it as well. 
Yeah, the casting's really good. The yeah. dialogues, witty, sharp, mm-hmm. funny, punchy, dark. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the scenes themselves were brilliant. Uh, I love the fact that it didn't go to like when the 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 kind of darker version of the the girl chases her down and the guy comes out to tell them to get off the car, and the you, we see her running away, but we don't see what happens to the the guy that's come out. We just hear the noises. Yeah, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see it. It's perfect. It's, so yeah, I, there's so much to like about this one. The problem for me is. Get Out works in a lot of respects, not only because it's very fucking well written and it has that, it has a a, a more succinct, sharper uh, kind of social commentary at its core, but it all, it's also benefited by the fact that it's pretty much a one location shoot, and it deals with it deals with things on a macro level. I think when you start to expand out your stories to you know. Like a, a kind of like a countrywide epidemic that is starting to spring up when you start. Like the more convoluted you make that, like you were saying earlier on, the more you try and explain things, the more questions I'm going to have. And whilst I don't mind things getting goofy, there is a certain point, very much like yourself, where I'm like that. So they've all the right. So they all live underground, right? Yeah. And Right, I understand that. Like, I understand the message at the beginning that talks about all the disused tunnels and all the rest. But all those disused tunnels don't exist everywhere in America. They only exist in heavily built up areas. So, is it only the heavy built up areas that have the doppelgangers, or is it only this one city? But now you're saying it expands out further. So, how big was this, and was it a government conspiracy? And if the government was involved, what was their aim, and how did they get them to control them? Like, I start to ask those questions. Right. And the fact that the movies like that. Like I'm going to tell you about it, but that's not important. And are you reproducing underground? And if so, are you the ones making the red suits? Like, where where, where do you like just doing simple maths here? If that couple, um, the the kind of the the underworld couple version of our main characters have two kids, if everyone else is having to, you're going to run out of space really quick. I'm just doing the math here, and the math doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I mean, like, all that sort of stuff, I start to pick away at that. And whilst, like, these are nitpicks, overall, as an experience in the cinema, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed sure. it. And the fact that he is pretty much all, you know, said, listen, I ain't going anywhere. Horror's where I want to stay, and that's what I want to do. Makes me happy because I want as many different voices and as many different styles and as many different angles and opinions and homages and and stories in the horror genre as possible. And I want to keep the really good directors. I don't want to keep shunting them away to do fucking rom-coms or action comedies. I want to kind of keep them selfishly in the horror genre. And Jordan Peele... Is legit. He's he's a really, really, really fucking good director with a great eye, and he writes like a motherfucker. That guy can write. So, you know, is this as good as Get Out? No, but seldom things are. I mean, that is on such a high level. It's you know, it'd be it'd be like me saying, you know, what really bums me out? William Friedkin, you know, did that Exorcist and never quite did the Exorcist again. That's right. He did do, however, a fucking shitload of amazing other movies that are not as good as The Exorcist, but are still fucking great movies. Doesn't diminish anything if you don't 
recapture that. And then once again, pivot back and remember, that was his first fucking movie. We are in right. his infancy as a director just now. And he has one movie which, to me, like I say, bonafide classic five out of five. This movie, I gave a four and a half out of five. Even my, even my gripes on stories not making any sense didn't diminish the fact that I really liked the movie. I thought it was a really good movie. So, yeah, whatever he does next, I'm there. I'm, I'm front and centre. He's he's penning the script to the new Candyman movie. I'm like that. Yes, I want to fucking see that movie. It's an update retelling uh, of Cabrini Green being uh, gentrified and, and all the rest. Yes, I want to see that with a Jordan Peele script. Fucking hell yeah. yeah. Give me that movie. So, yeah, anything he puts his name against, he has goodwill for life with me. Um, and us, right, it wasn't Get Out. Still a great fucking movie. Yeah, I you know one of the things I was kind of bummed, uh, I, you know, I saw this kind of happen on on social media a bit, um, was like the movie comes out and there was you know there was that immediate response of like oh my god this is another masterpiece it's even, even better than Get Out, and uh, and I was in that you know group that was like it's good, it's really good. Everybody mm-hmm. should see this movie and did, you know, like, you know, no matter what you or I <laughs> think, and, yeah, yeah, that movie made a shit ton of money and, and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, but it, it felt like it was one of those things where it felt like there was just a hint of gatekeeping there of like, you know, you, either Jordan Peele's a genius uh, every time he steps up to the plate or you're against us. And it was just yeah. like, nah, that's not like no. you. You can look at an artist's body of work and say, like, oh yeah, this is this is really good because he's an incredibly talented guy. But you know, like he he can't make the best movie ever every time he makes a movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, that's, that's literally not how that happens, <laughs> right? Like, that's literally not how that happens. Even even John Carpenter didn't make the best movie every time he made a movie. Yeah. Kubrick's Barry Lyndon is a tough sit. Oh God, yes. Yeah, uh, but he also, you know, made Full Metal Jacket. And that movie's fucking amazing. So, <laughs> you know, like everybody, everybody could, yeah. could like he can make multiple masterpieces over the course of his career. Uh, you know, I, it's weird. It's like I, I always feel like I'm arguing that the first time at bat he hit a home run, and the second time was an infield triple. And it's yeah. like that. That's not enough. Yeah. Well, to, to me, this is this is what like going back to the carpenter kind of uh, example that I used there. In the space of five years, John Carpenter put out um, Halloween, The Fog, The Thing, and Escape from New York. Right. Like one of those, like two of those movies to me are like mastercrafts for different reasons, right? And the other two of those movies are really fucking good movies, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? But they're they're not. You can't say Escape from New York is as good as the thing. Doesn't diminish the fact that Escape from New York is a fucking great movie, right? It's just not as great as the thing. You know what I mean? And that's like you need to remember, like directors have that. They have that the the best of them have that one movie that will have a voice that will transcend 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But they'll have other movies that are, are really great movies that might not have the longevity of that when it, you come back to watch them and go, Oh yeah, that was a really good movie. 
Uh, but it's not as good as the other one. It doesn't mean he's any less of a genius for doing it. And like I say, the guy has a fucking set of balls like grapefruits. I've, like, to come away with that as your second movie, I've, I've never just seen such a gutsy, I mean, like, such a gutsy, silly second entry. I mean, the story to the movie is silly. Like we've said, well, the more you explain, the more it's like, that's just not. Right, yeah, like, <laughs> you're just being silly, Jordan Peele. Just, but I, you know what I mean. It's still for, fucking... for, for the sake of comparison, Steven Spielberg made these films in this order: <laughs> Jaws, uh-huh. Close Encounters of the Third Fucking Kind, mm-hmm. 1941, mm. and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, which one of these things is not like the others? <laughs> And then followed that with E.T. So, yeah, uh, you can have your downloads here and there. Of course you can. And, and like, us and is not a download. No, and it is no 1941. It's that movie's fucking awful. <laughs> us is great. Us is a great movie. Like, it, it's one of those things where, like, sometimes people will think you're damning with faint praise because yeah. they're like, well, Get Out was better. But, you know, it's like, yeah, well, Get Out was fucking better. It was Like, it was a perfect little gem of a movie. It doesn't happen that often. I will say this. I will say this. I did see some people, like, really doubling down on the very unique technique that Jordan Peele used when, um, at the beginning, they're watching the Hands Across America advertisement and rimmed about the TV there are VHS Mm -hmm. tapes for direct references references in the movie and people oh, that's such a such a clever way of doing things and all the rest all i'm going to say jordan peele and i know your movie came out this year but last year gaspar noe put out a movie called climax and in the first 15 minutes of that movie well sorry the first 10 minutes of that movie is all tv interviews where you're looking from the perspective of a viewer looking at a tv and around that tv is videotapes and all those videotapes are direct references in the movie so what i'm saying is like, great great minds can have the same idea and the same technique. Jordan Peele didn't invent the wheel. Right. He just knows how to use it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's a, he's a absolute, absolutely brilliant director, and he is going to make further classics, I am oh, yeah. certain. Oh yeah, I think I think we are just I think we are just getting started with that guy. And yeah. The clout that he has now, not only coming off having a movie that won an Oscar, but his follow-up movie made more money. Man, or will, uh, by the end of it, will have made more money than Get Out. That I mean, if, if, if he, honestly, if Lupita Nyong'o does not get nominated for this film, that is a I bet crime. You, but she won't though. T- Tony Collette didn't get nominated, and I, she should have. Mm, she, she, I know, she, but she should she, she should have. Her performance was powerful. Like, this is the world we live in. Uh, it's, it's a depressing world where you know. I, I dare say we'll, we'll have we'll have a laugh when we find it that us is once again nominated for was it best comedy or musical? Um, <laughs> like it's like right. fucking unreal one. It's it's just there is eventually going to be a tipping point where like the Oscars and the Golden Globes and stuff that will not be able to keep restricting uh, their acknowledgement of horror. Because the way it's going, the business is is bigger every year. It's going to start eclipsing some of the other ones. Yeah. So it's start bringing in more money than rom coms. It's going to start bringing in more money than dramas. Oh, it uh, already does. Uh, the two big genres now are superheroes and horror. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's going to get there, and then when it gets to that level, you know, 
that they're going to have to change their attitudes. And we don't, the thing is, we don't need the validation of that at all as fans to see that. But I think the fucking actors do. Like when they turn in a performance which is easily better than the majority being recognized by the their peers in the academy, that to me. And when actors aren't fucking talking it, that's the bit that frustrates me. It's when actors that are in like when you're like your fucking Bradley Coopers and stuff like that are not taking the time to sit and say, you know, I accept this award. However, or when they're being interviewed, did you see the performance by so and so in this movie? That gets a bit frustrating. I know they're probably not watching them, but we don't we don't need the recognition. But I think the fact that. Like well, Tony Collette specifically last year, um, delivered like one of the most jaw dropping performances, in a more drama based role than a horror role, and what she was playing, that like, you need some recognition for that. And then off the back of this, so about two or three really powerful performances, uh, and upcoming actors as well that we can keep our eyes open for now, um. And the false equivalency of people being outraged that Jordan Peele says that he doesn't want to. He doesn't want his leads to be white actors. He wants to keep them as black actors. And people being upset about that. He's a fucking director and he can do whatever the fuck yeah, he uh, wants. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah. it's, it's so, so like... What, oh, are white you... actors underrepresented in movies? Know, Jesus I, fucking Christ. It's like my eyes Did Tyler roll. Perry get a <laughs> lot of shit for doing... <laughs> black cast for his Medea movies probably not oh probably probably so probably some asshole out there was pissed (laughs) off about that but regardless yeah you're right Jordan Peele uh, thankfully he's got the kind of fuck you money that he doesn't have to worry about any of that he's just like yeah whatever I'm gonna make whatever I'm like he could independently fund himself now yeah. And, and be fine. In fact, he's got his own production house, Monkey Paw uh, Productions. Yes, his studio. Good for him. And anyone who is complaining about the fact that a super talented director is trying to highlight other super talented members of the black community that might not otherwise be seen, get the fuck over yourself. I know. I know. So what are we living, boy? Nah. What old we living? Boy, that's good news. I'll tell you what else is good news, Duncan. Uh, let's talk about one of the greatest movies that has ever been made and has turned my grinchity heart. Uh, yep. it grew three sizes the day I saw this movie, Duncan. Yeah. And you, you caused Duncan to have a main, a minor aneurysm when you only scored it four and a half stars. Well, look, we'll talk about that. If ever there was a five-star movie, Boran, this is my favorite horror movie of the year. Oh, absolutely. Okay. By a runaway mile, by the way, at the moment. There ain't nothing coming near this yet. Also, I have good news about where more people are going to be able to see this movie soon. I heard this news today, and I'm really excited. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, it turns out that Shudder, as if you need another reason to get that service, has acquired all the the North American and like Australia, New Zealand, one presumes even maybe Europe. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but the rights to One Cut of the Dead, which is the film we'll be talking about. Um, and I so, got a feeling that that may have happened because um, the the dick holes on Amazon Prime leaked that movie early. <laughs> per, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> and the, the other big problem, I think, is... Um, that they've already announced the American remake of it. And it felt like it was like, Oh, we're going to try to fast track this and get ahead of the original. It's like, Oh, please don't do that. Cause 
I, I, you, it might be fine, but don't fuck it up. Just this is su- this is so such a house of cards of a movie. There are so it's, many it's ways a- it could go wrong. It is a, like to steal a Bo Ransdell line from a promo years ago for Devour the Podcast. One cut of the dead is a pure good. It it truly is. All right, so one cut of the dead uh, is is yet to be released here. Now. I I bought a copy on Amazon UK and imported yep. it over. Um, so I got it legally. I encourage you to do the same. Do not steal this movie. It needs your money. Um, it is very famously a movie that was made for $27,000 was the budget of it, which mm-hmm. good Lord, who cares? And, and you can't tell, you know, it's anyway, we'll get into it. Um, here is the synopsis. Uh, things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low budget zombie movie in an abandoned world war II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. This is written and directed by uh, Shin Ichiro Ueda. And uh, that was nowhere near it then. <laughs> no. Uh, it, it, it stars uh, Takeyuki Hamatsu as uh, Higurashi, who is the director. Uh, Yuzuki Akiyama as Shinatsu. Um, Harumi Shuhama as Nao. Uh, Kazuaki Nagaya as Ko. Hiroshi Ichib- Ichihara as. Kasahara and Mao as Mao. Um, and, you know, <laughs> good on me for getting that much. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did that. But. Uh, but my favorite is that the original title is Camera o Tumeru Na. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, One Cut <laughs> of the Dead is, again, we are spoiling the shit out of this. If you have any intention of seeing this movie, and you should stop right here uh because you should see this movie knowing as little as possible mm-hmm. all right that said let's talk about this because i've been dying to talk about this movie <laughs> with somebody it's a it's a it's a movie that you just after you see it you're just like i need i need to tell someone how different my life is now well, do, do you remember like I, if you cast your memory back to the beginning of this year it may have been our first it's either our first true detective recording this year or it was the like the week before we might put an episode out the week before or something and we were talking about movies we've seen this was the first movie i i think i saw this like on the 6th of january it, it played like two nights in the uk that was it that was it getting its, its cinematic run over here and um i saw the movie and me and you were speaking about this and i made the boldest of bold shots fired claims where i basically said it was maybe one of the most original movies I had seen mm-hmm. um it was it was one of the best kind of horror comedies I've ever seen and then I went one step further and I said um in terms of like the the zombie horror comedy genre which most people will instantly default to Shaun of the Dead I was like that I prefer this to Shaun of the Dead so like I think it's that well written um and you were like oh shots fired and all the rest it, like you saw the movie, we had a quick discussion in our Messenger app, and then when I raised that point again, you said that you 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 don't think that I'm necessarily wrong like right. about what I said. Like so that's how that's how confident I am that people should go and fucking see this movie and that we are not like saying, you know, it's a really funny movie and all that we're we're raising 
the the kind of comparisons to very lofty heights here and it, saying yeah just a, just as good if not better yeah well they're very different movies because like Shaun of the dead is very much a zombie movie and, well, yeah, and this is a yeah. movie about zombie movies yes yeah so and, yeah yeah, yeah. I, so, I, I mean this movie is just as much about the the love of filmmaking yes yes as as about zombies Yes, it is a great big puppy dog of a movie mm-hmm. that, and here's my experience of watching, and you, and you tell me uh, what your experience was, because it was, for me, it was a delight. <laughs> my experience, like, the, my experience of watching this movie, Bo, was, like, sitting in giddy joy, watching my uh, best friend who went to the cinema <laughs> with me, um, spending the first 45 minutes fucking angry. And then by the end of the movie, seeing the biggest smile on his face, he doesn't yeah. do he doesn't do like he doesn't do a lot of horror movies, but he doesn't do low budget at all, and he doesn't do kind of schlocky sort of movies at all. And when he thought that's all he was getting from this movie, because the only thing I knew about the movie, the only conceit I knew about the movie was the the reason it was called One Cut of the Dead is there was a forty to forty five minute unbroken one cut shot of a zombie film and that is all i I knew about it i didn't even know that it was a short all i knew was that there was that big one shot right see i didn't i I didn't know there was that yeah i didn't know because the thing that i knew what the runtime was and that's what didn't make sense to me so i didn't know about everything that happened after the beginning in fact, what I thought was going to happen was we were going to get a bit of a story or something, and then it was going to go into logically a forty-five minute unbroken shot to finish. Right. So when that it kicked off with that, and I realised that's what it was, and I was sitting beside my friend, and um, he was so fucking angry, honestly. And the more I looked, the body language he was raging, um, and the more I looked at him, the more I, the, the more the anger I saw on him, the more I started to really enjoy myself. Uh, because I was just like he fucking hates this, and I, I I dug it right. I I thought it was fun, um, but then the the kind of the all right, all right. Kinda, one one all last right. one last warning. Yes, you now know as much as either Duncan or I, or I did going into this film. This is your yeah, last you re- chance, listeners. Yeah, if we go beyond this point, we are, and I would still say I don't think it'll affect your viewing, but you will not have that pristine. Viewing experience because this movie will it will give you a little bit of a this one will give you whiplash a couple of times and in in the nicest possible way right with increasing payoffs but yeah so at this point like it goes through this one shot kind of cheapo zombie movie which is riddled with weirdness where it's like why are these actors pausing weirdly and yeah but we've all seen movies like this yeah this is the thing i love this is you've all seen everyone has seen of all the genres that could have picked to pick the best one i've seen god knows how many low budget zombie movies um and they're all the same it's like a bunch of friends decide to make a movie together seven of them clearly can't act um and one of them might actually be okay and carrying everything over and yeah the effects look a bit ropey in parts and oh look there's a boom mic you know like that you know right but there's also kind of something to it yes yeah there's something that keeps you like invested and yeah there's like there's just a lot of weirdness going around in the movie 
And when you're watching it, it'll be it'll be kind of funny, and like you'll be you'll be sitting there thinking, how inept are the filmmakers making this movie and all the rest. And then the movie, then from that point when it finishes, the credits roll. Yeah, it, it the, comes to a conclusion at about you know the forty minute mark, yep. and credits roll, and you're like, oh well, we've got another hour here. Yeah, well, what's going on? <laughs> like, like what what we're doing, and then. You, it jumps out of being a kind of low budget thing to being properly filmed, like it's uh-huh. a proper film now. And we jump back before the shoot, and we see the story. So this is like the second. If you imagine this movie being split into three parts, the second third of this movie is basically the the comedy story, and it is just an out and out comedy story of this kind of hapless, like gun for hire, low budget. Right. Well, director. It, 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 the it's a, a network has decided to create a, this offshoot little network that's going to be the Zombie Channel. Yeah, and, and to launch the channel, they want to do a thirty-minute live short film. Yes, that is all going to be one cut. Which is all going to be and, one cut. And there, they get this director who is that's clearly out of his league. Oh, God, yeah. And he's like, that's probably not going to work, but he needs the job. Yeah, he needs a job. He's got a daughter who doesn't really respect him all that much. She wants to be a kind of hard-hitting director and right. all the rest. She loves she movies up. as much as he does. It are, she, In fact, she loves movies more than he does. Yeah, she, I, she, yeah she, sees, she sees her dad as kind of squandering the thing that she holds like dear, which is the craft of making movies. And he's married to this kind of... <laughs> this oh, farmer got the best thing in this movie. Oh, one yeah. of the many wonderful things, I suppose. But the the mother is a former actress, yeah, <laughs> who gave it up because she, the way she describes it is like it, she got really into her roles. Yeah, she went beyond method. She yes, became, like like uh, did honestly like I there was a bit in this movie. There's a bit in this movie where where she, she fucking she she comes walking out and she does like a kind of like cry kick to a guy and she's like boom like yeah. this like that and I swear to God I thought I was going to pee myself I like I, I had I had to cross my legs in the cinema because I was laughing that hard that I thought I was like the most like the more like when she's on the rooftop and she won't die like honestly I thought I was going to pee myself but we'll get to that right so yeah. she's yeah, so she, but she's kind of she stays at home. She watches these self-defense <laughs> right. instructional videos on the TV. Uh-huh. Um, oh, and, yeah, <laughs> and she's um, so so. This is the setup for it. Like, so basically, hires this kind of ragtag group. Oh, but he's going to get this big name. Uh, this kind of like star of uh, there's I think there's a musician isn't there? Yeah, well I thought the girl is the musician and yeah, the guy and the boy, was in some kind yeah. of like Twilightish movie or something. Yeah, so and they're going to be in, but they've been kind of false sold what this is going to be, right? And then he's got his like his drunk uncle or something's involved with the project and just some other people. So it's, it's a ragtag squad, right? And so the second third of this movie is basically all the prep to do this shoot 
right? So it's all the 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 logistics of coming together as a team. It's like a there's a bit where it becomes like a cheesy montage, and it's great, and everything goes that way. And then the last third of this movie is the shoot, but we are we are seeing behind the scenes of the shoot, and this is where the movie becomes maybe the one of the most intelligent things. I've ever seen it in my entire life because all the weird things we see in the original first third of this movie are explained by all the shit that goes wrong in the filming. So characters like standing up and going to speak and then maybe not speaking and then sitting down and then talking about silly things. You're seeing it from the other perspective that someone hasn't made their cue on time, so someone's holding a card saying stall, so they're having to stall and all that. Like, everything in this movie is then explained. And it is, it makes it, like, it makes it even, this movie is flat out hilarious, but it's like, so you're saying, his heart is so in the right place. And then if all that wasn't, incredible because it is incredible the credits to this movie show you how the real filmmakers did the one cut the original movie we see at the beginning the first it shows you how they they did that so it is like my my friend described it the best possible way this is the inception of zombie horror comedies <laughs> yeah yeah very much so it, it it is it is just layers upon layers of like here's what what is so gorgeous about this tell, tell me before you even get to that tell yeah. me about you i've just talked about mike's what oh was your experience watching this movie i, I think it's the same i think it's kind of universal because it is the, like when the credits roll and you're like the fuck is happening <laughs> and then when you realize like oh we're doing this flashback uh of okay well here's the director and then you're starting to get to know these characters and you realize that they're all kind of like charming or frustrating like the the uh, two leads are Mm. a little full of themselves and are like well i definitely won't you know it's in my contract that no one's gonna throw up on me and it's like well i know that happens because i saw the (laughs) i've already seen the result of this and you totally get thrown up on so you it it plants all these little seeds in your head and in some in some ways even more subtle than that like like you were talking about when you first watch the first 37 minutes and Mm. you see these pregnant pauses Mm -hmm. and as someone who has watched a ton of these movies and that's kind of the beauty is that it's almost a love letter to making a bad movie Yes, um, that <laughs> it uh, those pregnant pauses that you've seen in films, and you're like, oh yeah, I've seen that a dozen times. Where you know, just like that's the take they end up with because that was the best one, and none of them are very good. And we, we and- did, we did remember what was the movie we did um, where, where the where the hat comes off the guy. Oh, uh, Bloodshack! Blood yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> right, it's that kind of shit. And that I adore. Like, I think those things are the best in those bad movies because it makes them feel so handcrafted that it's like it's it's bad folk art, you know. And and so that's what this movie is ultimately kind of celebrating. But even more than that. So you have that layer, you know, that second third of the film where you're introducing all those characters and you're planting all these little seeds about like, well, this actor has said this and I know that this other thing happens in the movie. Cause I've already seen that. And then when it gets into 
the hey we're going to uh you know make the the film you're going to see as a viewer how all of this came together and it mm-hmm. starts explaining all these little things like all these seeds are blossoming now these little narrative tricks that they planted 20 minutes earlier and you mm-hmm. start to understand the film in a way that you didn't before like the movie keeps like unfolding new layers to itself again and again and again. And then when it gets to the point, man, where the mother gets so into her role (laughs) as, as this zombie slayer, they're like, she's going to kill somebody and we have to stop her. She lifts a hot chat at one point. (laughs) When when she's like, how are you? You're okay. Right. And she's like, I'm calm. Dead calm. And you're like, oh, fuck, she is not okay. Boom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fucking attacking them all. Man, that was, like, that, at that point, I kind of fell in love with the movie. That was really the point, which is surprisingly late for me to say, like, that's the moment where I, I truly fell in love with it. There was, there was, I'll tell you, there's a bit earlier on where I... I was like, this is operating on a level which is just not what I'm used to watching in a in a horror comedy. Yeah. Um, see the little apprentice camera girl who constantly tries to talk about the zoom in, zoom out, the quick zooms. Uh huh. And the, the main camera, the the main cinematographer guy, the DP is like that. You know, that's old. We don't, you don't do that. And she's like, how oh, that works. And then there's a bit in the movie where the camera drops dim. And it takes a while, the camera's pointing off, and you're like, that's kind of interesting. That the ca-, Like, when you watch it at first, but you're like, that's kind of interesting that it's done that. I wonder what's going on here. And then from that moment, there's a big chase scene where the camera's just zooming in, zooming out, zooming in, zooming out. And you're like, well, that just feels like different sort of cinematography. And then when she starts mentioning, you're like, oh, there's going to be a bit. So you know the jokes. This is what's difficult, but you know the joke's coming. Yeah, it's funnier when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know many movies that can telegraph exactly and, what the joke is consistently and when you see it it is just as funny if not funnier than you thought it was going to be. And and then Duncan <laughs> it it reveals its final trick. Mm-hmm. In which reminded me a bit of True Detective in a weird way of that final episode of True Detective where you're like, "Oh, that's what the season has been about all along." Yeah. And it's this moment where you see as they're like, you know, because you've seen the short film that they're the movie ends with this really cool crane shot. Yep. And when they're, when they start making the movie, when you get into the final act of the film and they begin making the movie and you see that the crane rig collapses and yep. you're like, Holy shit. How are they going to fix that? Cause I know it happens. Mm-hmm. And then Duncan, I'm going to cry talking about this. <laughs> you were gonna fucking say you are the most emotionally I know. sensitive person. I <laughs> I am. I'm very I'm very in touch with my emotions, Duncan. I I like to feel things. Uh, the they do this thing where uh like okay I know the crane shot's coming and then they realize that the only way to make it happen because the the rig is done for is that every member of the cast and crew has to literally come together to form a human pyramid. 
Mm-hmm. That is going to end with uh, is it the daughter that's holding the camera at this point? Yeah, yeah where yeah. The, like the daughter who has been you know critical of her father all this time, and you know, but is starting to have this great appreciation for how much he has invested in this this shoot and how like crazy it, it's just such a slapdash production, and somehow it's still all working. Yeah, And then she is the one who has to climb to the top of this human pyramid built of all the actors who were bitching and moaning and all that stuff earlier. Mm -hmm. And she gets the crane shot and that's how it ends. And it's like, you know, they're counting down because everybody's got a whole position. It's like, you know, 13, 12, like we're almost out. And then everybody can collapse. Yeah. And it is this moment of like triumph and joy and when it when they finally all collapse and it's just a father and a daughter looking at each other and understanding each other for the first time. Yeah. Oh, Duncan. <laughs> the fuck? Like, it's almost not even fair. It's like this movie is so good. It hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was my experience. Like when that movie wrapped, it was just like. I felt like the scales had fallen from my eyes. I felt like I was a better person after seeing that movie. <laughs> and that's like, it's, it's one of those things that you just don't experience with film very often. It is, it is, this is so special a movie. Uh, yeah. it, 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 it's so just like heartwarming and wonderful. And there's uh, a reason that it's still, I think it's still in the high nineties on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I mean, which is unheard of for a movie of this kind to be up that high in its grades. Yeah. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, you just don't get that. And that was the thing that kind of threw us going to see it because we had heard, we'd been hearing since um, last year about this movie. It was doing the festival run. It played Fright Fest um, in London. The the word coming at Fright Fest was, you know, this movie was incredible um, and all the rest. And, uh, you know, like we sat down to watch it and of course the first thing you get is that kind of half an hour 35 minutes of a very low budget zombie movie and like my, that's what my friend was saying was the bit where it was getting him so angry he's like that how is how are people reviewing this so high by the end of it he totally turned around it's one of the favorite his favorite things he's seen this year and he's not he's not the he's not the target for this sort of movie, but he fucking loved it. And it's because the movie just it, it won him over. It won him over by being genuinely funny, genuinely heartwarming, and just so like ridiculously clever. I mean, uh, I think that's the thing that I keep coming back to is right, I'd like to do one of those aspects well, right? You can do that, but to manage to interweave those three different things. And then, like I say, right at the very end, just as if all that wasn't enough the credits being the actual footage of the shit. Right. When, when that stuff comes up and, and you're like, Oh my God, the, like the, cause you forget um, they had to do that. Right. Like, the the filmmakers had to make a one shot. They had to go through that process. Right. They, they had to film someone in one shot doing a one shot short. Yeah. And which is, <laughs> you're like, Holy shit. That, that is some 3d chess. <laughs> that I can't even conceive of. Yeah. And it, oh man. And uh, by like, the way, just to confirm, it is currently sitting at a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes with a 95% audience score. Boom. And it, or, right. Like we're not breaking any news here. This is, uh, just one of the, the most 
I keep saying delightful. That's what it is. It's like, I, I, it's so, it is so rare for me to watch a movie that, that coming away from it, I genuinely feel uh, like I, I was getting about like, I, I come away a better person, but I come away feeling just so happy and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of in love with movies. Oh, you know? totally. And totally. Because that's what this movie, you know, aside from being this very touching, poignant thing at the end, the one thing that is the through line, I think, of the film is this genuine, like, joy at the idea of making a movie. That, yeah, it's it's tough and it's impossible and the people the, that are pulling the purse strings don't give a shit, but they got a lot to say and all that stuff. But at the end of the day you have this kind of wonderful little imperfect but glorious thing. And mm-hmm. oh it's just Duncan, I just wanna hug it. I wanna I wanna <laughs> I wanna have it I wanna have it in my lap while uh while I watch uh, the true crime documentaries. Uh I just think it is the best thing ever. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I'm 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 stating my claim early here. It will take a act of God Right, it's off my top spot this year. I mean, I, I, I literally, if I see a better movie than than One Cut of the Dead this year, then I've legit. This could be the most spoiled I've ever been in a year. Right, right. It's like you know the same year that like the Vavitch comes out and like it follows or whatever is the same year where you're just like, oh shit, like oh wow, this is actually a tough call. Yeah, um, I, like on it honestly, like it just to me. Yeah, I just, and I think um, it obviously did insane money in its home country. Uh, Japan did like, I think it, like, I'm sure I read somewhere, and I think it's mostly that it's going to have that Blair Witch syndrome in terms of how much money we spent. I, I think it's the most successful Japanese horror movie ever made. I think. I, yes, it has been tremendously successful uh, at home and. You know, it's getting critical acclaim, and you know, it got bought you out. You know what? I think it knocked the ring off to get that. Oh, really? Yeah, you I know? think. I think, and and fair play to it because yeah. I mean, the ring held that title for twenty years. So I, I, and look, hey, who doesn't love uh, the ring? By the way, I got that arrow oh, uh, set, which it? is uh, no, I'm, I'm probably I might do that tonight. Uh, did like like speak to me once like send me a message i I tell you now you will be prepared to fall in love with that movie all over again that print is maybe one of the best prints i've ever seen in my entire life i shit you not oh okay nice i'll uh like the the 4k the 4k restoration on that is nothing short of it like i know you've got the projector and all that stuff you're in for a treat sir you're seriously in for a treat the print of the that's a movie that i wouldn't have said you should strip some of the grain out of because a lot of the aesthetic, a lot of the way the movie works is this idea that you're watching it on a VHS and that's why it has its impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow they have, ele- they've elevated it to, to a level which just, Oh, so fucking good. So good. On it. Oh my God. Well, I can't wait for you watching it. Cause I know, like I know your background and stuff like you're going to, f- you're going to fall in love with that movie all over again, Bob. Uh, I, you know, I, there's only so much love I have, Duncan, <laughs> and and one cut of the dead has taken so very very much of it. Uh, can can yeah. I like before we before we like st- like bring it into a close? I I did, and I just want to cover a couple of things. I did um, the. I don't think we've spoken to. Have we spoken since I did Glasgow Freight Fest? No, 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 no. 
Right, so I saw quite a lot of movies at Glasgow Fright Fest, and I just want to kind of go through some of the ones that I think you should go and check out. I don't know if Please, I did. Yeah. Uh, right, so um, highlights for me: a movie called The Dead Center. All right, give me the uh, the setup. What 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 makes it great? Uh, well, the, well, first and foremost, it's directed by a director who um, uh, lives in your home state. In fact, lives in your hometown, I think. Oh, oh. A guy called Billy Sinise. Hmm, okay. Um, so here is the here's the synopsis. Um, it's when a mysterious John Doe wakes up in a morgue and wanders into a psychiatric ward. A devoted doctor and curious medical examiner must slowly uncover dark and sinister secrets about the man that reveal a more horrifying truth than they could ever have imagined. Hmm. All right. Right. I really liked Arrow bought the rights to it, so Arrow are putting it out. I really liked it. I thought um, I had like a a really cool atmosphere about it. Um and like a really nice pace. It, it was a, a just a and one of the better portrayals of what a like a psychiatric ward is actually like, and not the Hollywood version. Um, it was it was surprisingly good actually. Re- really enjoyed that. Um, a movie which will not be for everyone called Black Circle. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, the guys from Scotland being hated it. Um, so my my uh, let's see, is it on? Try to find this fucking thing right a uh, synopsis is listed on a uh, letterbox is what i'm using here says the lives of two sisters changed dramatically since they were hypnotized by a mystical vinyl record from the 1970s and mm. um, my my brief review of it was a uh, parts lord part lords of salem meets beyond the black rainbow uh, this movie really wowed me. Very unique story idea that pushes into a cross of science meets supernatural with great performances and score. Okay. Um, All right. So it was it was Swedish. He says Swedish. Um, the this one is a must for you, my friend. You are in for a treat with this one. The Rusak Rusalka. Um, the Rusalka. Uh, I think it's going on maybe under a slightly different name. In the States, it might be getting called The Siren, which I think is a terrible name for it, but that's what they're pivoting it as. Uh, directed by Perry Blackshear. Name ring a bell? Uh, the League of Gentlemen, is that right? No, Perry Blackshear. I, oh. I'm sorry. Uh, they look like people. Oh, no shit. Okay. This is his follow-up, buddy. And it's really fucking good. The synopsis for this one is, looking for some uh, peace and quiet, Tom rents out a small and isolated lake house, one marked by a local legend of a woman who, after drowning, haunts the surrounded woods and drowns anyone she encounters. The myth particularly intrigues Tom's new neighbour, Al, who's mourning the recent death of his husband. Starting off as rather friendly, Tom and Al's rapport slowly changes as the former befriends a mysterious woman named Nina, for whom Al can't shake his negative suspicions. It's fucking great. Like this dude, this dude right here is legit. Uh, they look like people is fucking brilliant. Yeah. This is fucking brilliant. Completely different sort of movie as well. The same cast, pretty much. It's pretty much the same cast as they look like people as well. Um, and he was talking about, wait here, this his next movie he's working on uh, is a demonic possession set in Brooklyn. <laughs> fucking great. I was right. like, yeah, just right. give me all this shit because he was he was at Fright Fest, so he did a bit of Q and A. So loved that. Right, one for the 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 bull man here. Just a couple, and then I'm out. Uh, the Witch Part One: The Subversion, uh, directed and written by the same guy that did I Saw the Devil. 
All right, go on. Right, um, let's see. Uh, synopsis for this one. It's kind of matrixy, so um, it's a it's kind of horror action. Uh, ja Yoon is a high school student who struggles with memory loss after she endured some unknown trauma during her childhood. While trying to uncover the truth, she is unwittingly dragged into a world of crime and finds herself on a journey that will awaken many secrets hidden deep within so it's kind of um it's it's long and it's obviously going to be the first i I don't know if it's based on a a manga or something but it felt like it was as it's a full of action full of like amazing cinematography so full of that kind of south korean kitschy feel that you like and vicious when it needs to be really really like that one really like that one uh lords of chaos which i thought was great there's a whole story about that but we'll speak about that some other time right. uh, but but i absolutely love that movie and uh, the last one i want to talk about the the movie of the whole thing for me was a movie but two movies let's do the two let's do this one first the movie of the whole thing for me was a movie called freaks all right to be uh, with the Todd- Right, Todd Browning yep. film about uh, little no. people. <laughs> uh, this one's directed by Zach Lim- Leposki and Adam B. Stein. Uh, the synopsis for this one is a bold girl discovers a bizarre, threatening, and mysterious new world beyond the front door after she escapes her father's protective and paranoid control. So you're listening to that and you're thinking, I read that synopsis, like, oh, here we go, another one of these movies where it's fucking, you know, uh, the dad, or kind of Lucky McKee style dads, you know, that's what I was expecting. Totally not. The movie stars um, Emile Hirsch. Okay. Do you know him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So he's. Oh the, wait, he's, I've seen the trailer for this now. I've, yeah, yeah. Bruce Dern's in this fucking movie. This is right. the first time Bruce Dern's done a kind of sci-fi movie since fucking like Cool Runnings or whatever. Yeah. What is yeah, it? Yeah. No, Silent Runnings. Silent Runnings. Not Cool, cool Runnings. Cool Runnings is a very different imagine? movie. <laughs> he he plays the John Candy. Uh huh. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you're gonna bobsled. <laughs> All right, get getting a fucking bobsled. Um, th- I thought this movie was fucking great. It's kind of like imagine. Um, remember the TV show Heroes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, imagine Heroes, but done more with a sci-fi horror spin. Right. Okay. All right. All right. And that's the world that lives. It's fucking brilliant. Really, really, really good. Like really, really, it's like my favorite thing I saw. Less maybe on the horror, more on the sci-fi. Last thing I'm going to talk about. I swear to God, uh, this is the last thing we're going to talk about. No, only right. because this is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. Like horror comedy wise. I know we're talking about like one cut of dead. It's like fucking just. It's the top of the tree. This movie will make you howl with laughter though. It's a movie called The Horde, spelled H-O-E-R-D, as in a hoarder. Okay. Someone that collects things. Um, I bought, I can't, I can't, oh my God. Like I'm going to send you the trailer when we finish because you need to get your hands on this. I think it's out in America. It might be. Um, this is the, the, the tagline for the movie is a life and death intervention. A, a comedy horror mockumentary that chronicles the unraveling of a production team who are attempting to produce the ultimate reality TV show pilot. Extremely haunted hoarders. The team consists—it's <laughs> <laughs> fucking brutal, honestly. All right. The team consists of a professional organizer, 
a psychologist, two ghost hunters, and a, a crew of junk removers. They arrive in Rockford, Ohio, the hoarder capital of America, where they meet Murph, a legendary hoarder with three crammed and condemned mansions. In their effort to declutter the properties and reform Murph's habit, the intervention unearths a lethal house of horrors. Um, it's fucking amazing. It's like, imagine <laughs> imagine like those hoarders programs, those intervention programs, and those most haunted programs, plus those home decorating programs, all meshed into one. But what I call it, it is ludicrously funny. Um, and I thought I was going to pee myself a few times watching that. So I'll send you the trailer of that. Everyone should check the trailer. I think it's out. If it's not, it can't be far away. It was brilliant. Fright Fest was really good. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, quality movies were there, there's some that I haven't mentioned that were you know are worth mentioning um as well but yeah it was it was fucking great and when those movies become available wherever you are please check them out all right that yeah that a couple of those sound great what was the name of the i saw the devil guys movie again Uh the witch so it's the witch part one the subversion is there going to be a witch part two there must be i think it did well I think it did well. I mean, the it was um, as war as a Warner Brothers distributed movie. I had mm. that, but by far the biggest budget of any movie I saw at Fright Fest. <laughs> like it's clearly money had been spent on this. So yeah, I think this is um, there must be like a part two coming all the rest, and the story ends in such a way that you feel like you finished the first chapter. And and uh, folks, let's just be clear: if you haven't seen, I saw the devil oh my god is, watch that movie yeah just to give you a little a little tease there is a scene in which a serial killer on the run from a cop who has given up all pretense of of law keeping <laughs> and is just fucking with the serial killer what killed his, his lady love and yeah so the serial killer has to go hide out at his pal's house who's also a serial killer mm-hmm. fuck dude that movie is raw and awesome yeah that, that like you that uh, it's such a it's such a unique spin on things what would happen if a serial killer with a compulsion for killing killed the wrong girl killed <laughs> right. the, the, like the, the daughter of the chief of police who is married to an inspector who just takes his time off and spends his whole time waiting for the point that he's about to kidnap his next victim and just fuck with him and then put him back out in the streets to do it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. It's fucking brilliant. It's genius. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's what if the serial killer is the victim for an hour and a half? That's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, all right. Uh, no, there, there's sounds like some real good shit in there. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, th- I think as we've been saying, I think this year is going to be. It's, it's been good to us already, mm-hmm. and and it sounds like it. Well, I don't know if it's going to get better than one cut of the dead. If it gets in the ballpark, I'll be thrilled. Yeah, I, th- I don't think much is going to get up like up, up as close to one cut of the dead just because of how unique that movie is. But we've already said at the beginning here in terms of big release horror, expect your, like this is not the summer of superhero movies, ladies and gents. This summer will be dominated by large released horror movies um, that are all going to do well. There's no way they're not going to do well. And then, and like Bo said, that's all the big stuff. That's not accounting for all that, all that cool festival shit that starts coming out, you know, towards the end of the year that you, we, we're in for another, this is going to be another one of these years that at the end that we're just going to want that. 
well, how do I start to make my list? Because um, you're going to get hammered. Well, as much as we know about what's coming out, there is so much stuff we don't know that's coming out this year yet. Um, I, I can't, I cannot wait. It's an exciting time, and yeah, leading that pack, watch one cut of the dead. We're going to assume that if you listen beyond this point, you have watch it again. Like, like, yeah. like buy that movie. Like, give it, give the, the that filmmaker is a, an incredible talent. He spent very little money to make that movie and has had huge success. Let's let's give him the profile that he needs that people know that this guy doesn't need to like your Sion Sonos and like your Takashi Mikis. Let's not keep this guy like stuck doing one sort of thing. These directors flourish at their best when they're given the budgets and the opportunity to go and do what they want. And that comes with international success. And uh, Sion Sono gets international success. He starts doing even more wacky and interesting things in his home country. Takashi Miki gets international success. He starts doing more gritty, bizarre, weird content in his home country. That's, that's, that's the way you show your support to these filmmakers is by buying the movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I said, I had to import it. I don't regret that at all. Uh, other than the frustration at having to wait for something that I <laughs> had, had heard on good authority was, was mm-hmm. going to be real good. Um, and it was, you know, it was worth the wait and the money for sure. So don't, you know, but you know, Hey, if you want to hold off shutters, got it, uh, covered for you. So yep. if you know, hold off. And again, I mean, even if you're just streaming, uh, a cut of that goes to, the filmmaker so yeah they've got they've got the they'll collect um you know uh streaming data as how many people have watched it how many unique ip addresses are hitting it and all the rest and that makes its way back that is just as important to a filmmaker as well um and and a distribute a distribution company as you buy in the movie it's the new platforms it's the new digital age of how people consume things so yeah i'd like i was over the moon when i heard that shudder had acquired that because to me that is that is the perfect shudder movie oh yeah that's the one that you want your your people that are paying money and all the rest to just spend you'll come across that one sit down and just be be taken aback by it yeah i mean that is a service that i as far as i'm concerned has proven itself again and again uh, as far as not just interesting pickups, but like their the their curation, even when there are movies, I'm like, and eh, that maybe ain't my taste. But it, there are a lot of weird, obscure little films, uh, both mm-hmm. old and new, uh, on that service that I think are certainly worth your time. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I know we're not here to talk up Shutter. Uh, uh, we have given you folks a lot of movies to see. Um, I think maybe, eh, I don't know that I would necessarily recommend Pet Cemetery. Uh, I, I, I mean, if you want to, if you want to support cinematic horror, I would say go and see it. I will say it's a movie that I don't think necessarily will benefit from being seen in the cinema though. You know, this is not yeah. one that you watch this at home. You watch when it comes to Netflix or wherever it goes, you watch it and you will enjoy it just as much in your own home than you would in a, in a large... Yeah, it's, it's a hard one to recommend in that I didn't hate it, but I'd be lying if I think it's... If you're paying for a cinema ticket for this one, go and see something else. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you haven't seen us yet and it's still in theaters, which it's still making... Uh, I think it's even still in the top 10. Uh, uh, yep. You know... 
certainly uh, that is a movie worth your time. Um, so, uh, Duncan, anything else you want to pimp before we let these good people get on with them, their lives? Uh, no, um, I think just uh, keep your eyes peeled for some, because uh, we've been away for about a month. So this is us kind of starting to to, to kind of get ourselves back into kind of podcasting shape. And it's probably worthwhile now, now that we've made them wait an entire episode, fleshing out your reference to an upcoming Duncan and Bo Come Correct season. Um, but what was all that about, Bo? Well, what that's about, Duncan, is some uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. You know, I'm the biggest fan he ever had. <laughs> well, that's another thing that's happened since we... Uh, we we stopped recording like you you finally went away and checked out only god forgives right and 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 finally i had uh a nicholas whining reffin film connect with me in in a big bad way and the the one that critically people will tell you you shouldn't have connected with because it's the one that apparently is his least um is his most cold and least um uh accessible of his movies apparently i don't get that i i think i think it's totally but i like i say i approached it from the position that the the central villain in that movie is basically michael myers yeah <laughs> yeah stop and kill a machine that just appears out of nowhere and just fucks people up and then disappears yeah it's, it's pretty great and uh uh what's what's her name Kristen scott thomas uh mm-hmm. is fantastic in that movie and yeah no like even the um yeah it, it's just a tremendous film i i, I said enough good things about but uh so his new netflix series uh is a uh apparently a bit of a grindhouse series as well surprise Mm -hmm. surprise Um, (laughs) yeah starring miles teller and it is called uh too old to die young yep do i have all that right and then uh so yeah that's gonna be the new season of uh duncan and bo come correct aka duncan and bo uh are two old to die young and which is what i said earlier ladies and gents i told you we would explain it right and so yeah um you know that's probably a show that netflix is gonna dump all at once obviously we are not gonna it's not do netflix that. it's amazon oh is it really amazon prime amazon prime are big supporters of nicholas winden ref and they uh, funded and put out um a neon demon as well so yeah, uh, they're putting out. So I don't know if that's uh they do it week by week or if they dump it or as a winner. Oh, okay. Yeah, they might do it weekly. They've done that before. So I, I think uh, that's what I'm kind of hoping for in terms of what we do. But yeah. either way, we'll make it work. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just going to be one of those things that we're not gonna like. We are not going to dump it all. If they dump it all, we're not going to dump it all. We we like to take our times. We don't we don't want to speed up a dump, Duncan. <laughs> yeah, where. <laughs> Where, where, like, we we prefer something that, you know, it's longer and more stretched out, as opposed to just one massive dump. Yes. <laughs> ah, all right. <laughs> uh, 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 we're going to call this one Operation No Hernia. So. <laughs> yeah, Operation Let's Keep Those Hemorrhoids Where They Belong. <laughs> On the inside. Um, uh. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, as, you know, uh, as for, for me, if you want to catch up with me, uh, there's more stuff over on legionpodcasts.com. It feels good to be back, and I can't wait to uh, join you very, very soon in the immediate future with a little commentary on maybe one of the best comedies ever made, Midnight Run. You can shut the fuck up. Uh, all right. <laughs>
See, there'll be more of that. There'll be that and more. We will t- we will tell each other to shut the fuck up uh, from dawn till dusk. The uh, dude doesn't like to fly? What the fuck does that mean, Jack? Hey, how about a donut? Uh, that's one of the more obscure jokes from that film. All right, but we will get into that next time when Duncan and Bo go on a midnight run. Uh, until then, uh, you know, like, rate, review, all that kind of fun stuff, and we will see you next time. Say goodbye, Duncan. Goodbye, Duncan. Oh. Yeah.